And I was like, let me write that down. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome to Stand Up Stand Up, presented by IT Misfits. This is where tech professionals and comedy intersect daily in your new favorite stand-up meet. Each episode has two parts, a roundtable discussion on an IT topic, and then an open source open mic, where each comic shares or works on a stand-up comedy bit. At the end of the week, we perform our final crafted bit. Just like any good stand-up meeting, we try to make these short and valuable. Hopefully, this brings a smile to your day, gives you something to think about, and most importantly, gives you something funny you can share with other IT professionals. All right. Thanks everyone for joining. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my fellow misfit, Matt Campisi. I'm Jerry Black. Let's get into it. And the quote for today, live life to the fullest and focus on the positive. Dolly Parton, which is the second Dolly Parton quote. That's two in a row. Uh, you know, don't, she just made, she has some really great quotes. So, so anyways, so that's the, the quote for the day. Is now, it, is it a lyric or is it a quote? Like, it, like no, literally a quote. Her, like, yeah, no, it's a uh, quote. Like in the interview. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a line from nine to five or anything. It's, it's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. So uh, with that said, um, today we are continuing our interview with Jerry Corley. But before we get into that, we're going to do a little open source comedy. Um, mine is, have you noticed that uh, now word processing and text messaging, your phone like will finish all your sentences for you? And then, you, but sometimes you start to say the words and it'll, it'll say, oh, it'll think this is what you're about to say. And it's really annoying because it's like having a friend that wants to finish your sentences for you. You know what I'm saying? You ever talk to somebody and you're like, hey, I really like, and they're like spaghetti. And you're like, why the heck do you keep doing that? Right? So that's what this, my phone now feels like to me. So ultimately I find myself changing what it was I was going to say so that it doesn't autocorrect correctly. So I'm like, um, uh, I'm like, yeah, m hey, Matt, I needed to um, find out about the timing. And then it's like, of the event for tomorrow and i'm like of the thing we're doing in the afternoon because <laughs> ha, ha bone you're not as smart after as the, i am after the sun rises <laughs> yes <laughs> after the day of noon or something along those lines yes though so anyways I, I i am frustrated with my phone because it's smarter than i am it keeps correcting my sentences so I also uh, I can't disable it because I have terrible spelling and I need I need the I need the spelling more than I need the the, the tips. <laughs> yeah. The other thing it the other thing it does is that when it starts to auto fill it out, you're like, wait, my cursor's back here. Why is it automatically now over here? I didn't write those words, and now you have to stop and go, wait, where did all those words come from? Like, did that just like? <laughs> now I got to read instead of just so talking. The one thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, read back up, and and moving the cursor on a on a smartphone is like hella hard, right? It's like you have to yeah. hold down the space button, you have to move it. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the things that I'm noticing, Jerry, now is when you go to a meeting, the attendance of who arrives 
on time versus late is by pecking order. So us kind of low level individual contributors always arrive on time. Managers without a doubt will arrive, you know, three minutes late. Then if you're lucky enough to be in the big, big, big meeting with the boss man or the boss lady, they roll in 11, 12, 13 minutes late. And they have the big grand entrance saying, I'm sorry, I'm late. I was on with Tim. Like just the first name, like I was on with Tim. Is it like, wait, were you on with Tim Cook? Like, like I was on with Jeff, Jeff Bezos, like, like just the big leaguing of being late and then just throwing out the first name as if all of us in the room should know who you're talking to. Or we have to now guess that you are such a big, a big exact person that you actually have one-on-ones with, you know, people with the first name, Jeff or Tim that uh, own multi-billion companies are the richest people in the world. That's my observational comedy for the day. I like it. So maybe Jerry after this could punch it up. Not you, Jerry, <laughs> the, the doc, joke doctor. Jerry, the joke, joke doctor. doctor. Make those better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we interrupt this interview to fix Matt's joke? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Nice work. Now let's get into the interview with Jerry Corbin. All right. And then what would you say? I mean, you've got, you've had a long, uh, you've had a long career in it. Give me a, like, like just a real quick high level. What's the good. And then what's the bad in, in uh, stand-up comedy. The good is just getting that laugh, right? Ah, getting yeah. that laugh. And wow, it's such a feeling that is, it's better than sex. In fact, <laughs> yeah. I was, I remember I was with my girlfriend one time. She goes, you know, Jerry, every single night you seem to be able to get up on stage to do comedy, but tonight you can't get it up for me. And I was like, let me write that down. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was like, so to me, it's like, that's the biggest thrill I think that's out there is that getting the laughs from an audience. Yeah. Um, and also the joy of being able to do what you love for your career. That is, there's nothing else. I, like I can't imagine. Be able yeah, to like... do comedy for your career for that's what you do 24 seven. That is like, there's nothing better. That's cool. um, the worst part I think is the struggle, the starving artist concept. Mm. Um, and I'm, so I set myself in motion early on. How do I beat the starving artist comp, uh, concept. Like, what, how do I get around that? And uh, the idea was I didn't go out and start stand-up until I had an hour Got of it. written material. Wow. So, so because I, I didn't think I needed, I, that's what I thought I needed, right? right? Nobody told me you can only do five minutes. <laughs> so um, so I, I wrote an hour. And then, you know, my dad was like, I go, how do you write an hour? He goes, do 10 six-minute sets. And I go, oh, okay. That's great advice. So I started to write a bunch of stuff and I had an hour. Then um, I start, that's when I started to go out and do some mics. And then I found out there was an audition for um, the improv and I auditioned for the improv and I went down. So I went down to the audition, listened to this orientation and then uh, uh, by the co-owner of the improv. And so he said, it takes you seven years to become a, a headliner. And I said to myself, I'm going to beat that. Mm. To beat that and so how do i be how do i know who who sets the rules why are those rules in place who who sets those rules it's that's that's 
those rules are not even real. They're not based in anything. Like we yeah, know right. my wife's an airline pilot. She needs a certain amount of hours to be able to move to the next level and then the next level and the next level. Sure. And then a certain amount of hours to to get her ETP and then fly commercial jetliners that she does now, right? So it's like, so she has a, spe a specific amount of units she needs to accomplish to get where she needs. There's nothing like that in comedy. Nobody yeah. says you need you know, 10,000 hours. Um, but so I, all I did was apply more time, more hours per day writing than anybody else. Sure. And I said, if I spend more time writing per day, I I'll surpass them. And it's like, and so that's what happened. There were guys that were in my group who had been doing it two or three years longer than me. And I got television and they were like, how did he get it? You know, mm. you know, how did guy get, you know, TV? Well, and then some people say he killed it. That's how yeah, he got you it. You got to be you know? funny. Oh, he, you know, yeah. Be funny. So now it's just a matter of just work, 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 work. But how much work is it when you're just writing jokes, you know? So sometimes it would get frustrating, but it was sure. just like, so what I did was how do I beat the starving artist thing? Yeah. And I found out there were other gigs and they were corporate gigs. Uh -huh. I was actually part of what I was doing. So I had a, you know, I had various jobs I was doing and I was acting. So I had that convenience of having some money coming in while I was practicing my art, practicing my standup. And then, um, then I was like, but how do I, if I'm going to leap into standup, how do I beat that starving artist thing? I don't want to live in my car. Yeah. And uh, so um, I was like, all right, where's the money? So I found that the money was in corporate. The money was in colleges. The money was in cruises. Mm. Even better was corporate because in corporate, I could go out, do one night and make more money in a night than I can in a week at any of these comedy clubs around yeah. the country. Yep. So um, then I found, you know, so I was, hap I happened to be, I, um, uh, you know, exposed to the president of a chamber of commerce. And he says, hey, you're really funny. Would you, I want you to come teach. I want you to come MC one of our events every year, every chamber of commerce does an annual event. They swear out the old officers, swear in the new. Do a, basically a three-hour event, MC it, do 30 minutes of comedy, and I'll give you $800 in beer. And at the time, I was a starving college student, so I was like, beer, I'm in. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> so I did that gig, and then the neighboring Chamber of Commerce hired me to do uh -huh. their gig, and then the other Chamber of Commerce hired me to do their gig, and I go, wait a second, there seems to be an interest here. Got it. So I sent out a flyer to all of these Chambers uh -huh. of Commerce, and the flyer was, what's their, what's their pain point? Nobody wants to MC. So I was like, turn your annual dinner into an event, hire a professional, MC, professional comedian to MC. That was the flyer, faxed it out to 200 people booked like 28 Jeez. of these gigs in a four month period now at a thousand dollars each so i was like wait a second a three month period twenty eight thousand dollars i'm rich you're right you right know, as a college student right? college student yeah so that's I, was a like, lot of I, I got a business i got a business here yeah and so then i just kept uh, that was only 200 chambers there's 7650 in the united states so I went, hmm, what's a Chamber of Commerce? Chamber of Commerce is an association. What, how many associations are there in the United States? Hmm. A bunch. And tens right? of thousands, so, probably. When, if you, if tens you, of, get, you know, hundreds it. of thousands. Got Google it. at the time said 2.3 million. Holy mackerel. So I was like, we comedians can work forever. Yeah. 
Right. And I said, we comedians, not just me. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I can book, help book other comedians in these gigs too. Because I mean, there are gigs that I'm not going to be able to do that they can do. And hey, I can really build something. So I built something called Comics for Comics. And it was CFC. It was a, you know, sort of like a little mini corporation type of agency where, you know, these comics would work together, help each other get gigs. What it turned out is I was doing all the work. They were just waiting for the gigs. Um, but, um, you know, because a lot of comics, they're not business people. Right? Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. You got to think like a business person because it is a, you're if once you know how to write and tell comedy consistently, you've got an enterprise you can build from yeah. that. You are a commodity. And so um, when I started booking these corporates, um, and you have to be able to work clean. You have to be able mm. to work clean. You don't have to always be clean, but you have to be able to work clean. Yeah. And that's what I try to emphasize with comedians. So that's what was making some money for mm. me and helped me bypass the starving artist thing. Got it. So nice. I did. There were times where like, I was like, shit, I, you know, I might not be able to pay my bills this month. But they weren't, there weren't a lot of those. There was, nice. it was more of like, fortunately, I was able to go into this corporate world and chase money there. And they, you know, you're talking to a CEO of a company and you say, how much, what's your fee? And it's like, uh, I'm going to try this um, because I heard this one comedian who's, uh, you know, he's been on the Tonight Show. He's getting his gigs at uh, $10,000 each. Uh, I'm worth half that. I'm funnier than him. I know that, you know, he's okay, but I think I'm funnier. Right. That's famous. Every comics line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I said, uh, oh, my fee is five thousand dollars. And I learned from reading a salesperson's book, when somebody asks how much you say my fee is and that makes you sound professional. Now you hmm. sound like a lawyer or a doctor or some professional. Interesting. And it's like not just a comedian going, well, what's your budget? What's uh, your budget? I don't know. Uh, You know, and you sound then you sound like. You know, you're you're afraid yeah. of money, right? You wish you was. And at first, it was like scary to say that. Yeah. But when I said five thousand, he goes, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you just say okay? <laughs> yeah. And then Love there it. were some people that, well, that's out of our budget. Yeah, and sure. then I said the response. I said, well, so if that's an objection, what's my response? So again, I was reading some sales books. Right? Yeah, right. What's my response to that objection? Uh, it's about them. So I said, well, give me a number. I'd love to help you tell your story. Awesome. All of a sudden, it takes all the pain and frustration. Yeah. Oh, they're like, well, you'd love uh, to help us tell our story? Yeah. And very rarely would they go below 3,000. My target was 2,500 in the first place. So I was yeah. like, well, we're good. And then I'd be like, and then what I did was I designed a form. And while I was on the phone with them, I'd be filling out the form. And I tell them I'm filling out this form, some notes and stuff like that. And uh, you're, you're the address of the venue and all that sh all that stuff. And then they go and and I said, okay, uh, so we need um, – then they'd give me the number. And I'd say uh, I need 50% deposit up front in order to secure the date and then uh, the rest upon arrival at the venue. And then I'd say – and then by the end, after it was all filled out, the form, and got their credit card number in. Then I would say, uh, oh, and by the way, I'll need a hotel and airfare. Ah. And now they were on, they would, they'd be willing to take out their credit card and pay for it themselves. Sure. And then that would help settle that. But I learned that from reading sales books. Ah, interesting. I like that. Um, yeah. And that was it. I think that was my biggest, biggest fear was selling myself. Yeah. Oh, you know? 100%. I think that's everybody. Even I would say even IT people. 
you know, even applying for jobs, you know, that, that self-promotion just awkward for, for a lot of people, unless you're in that, unless you're in that business. And even then I think salespeople about themselves struggle, but I think you hit it on the Mm -hmm. head when you make it about the other person. It's not about you. It's about the other person and my brother's in sales and he'll, he'll drill me on this. And he, and he's just like, don't, if you make it about you and then they say, no, yeah, it's going to be personal. It's going to hurt. Don't make it about that. Mm -hmm. It's about you helping them. They want to do something. You're helping them do it. There's value in that. And, Be happy. And that, that was the thing with the chamber, chamber of commerce, right? What was their pain point? Their pain point was nobody wants to MC. I'm yeah. giving them an MC. That's yeah. going to also make them laugh. And so for them, they were like, oh my God, they'll, they would jump at it. So sending out that flyer, I was handling inbound calls. They were already ready, wow. you know, and they were already interesting. So interested other places are like, okay, how can I, if I'm going to approach this business, how can I, how can I set up something that would fit a pain point? My wife, for example, at the time, you know, I like to say my first wife, I love to say that my first wife always lets the others know it could be a short <laughs> stint, right? Because uh, comedy is my love. Uh, so, um, but in uh, my first, she worked in a credit union, right? And so her big complaint was every quarter or every like twice a year, the credit union would be pitching a new loan product mm. and they would have to pitch this to their, to their, to their members at this credit union. And they hated it. Right. So it was always a very tense time when there's a new loan product that they have to pitch and the vice president would be drilling them on. You got to pitch more. Mm. We're not selling enough and that sort of thing. So I said, Hmm, that's a pain point. So how can I, create something that would help them help the vice president, the executives sell this to their team. And I said, let's do something called the laugh luncheon. That's where they have lunch in-house and I get up and do 15 minutes. Then they come up and pitch the, what their product is. So they have lunch in, they feed their crew. The crew is happy. I do, I do comedy. They're laughing. They're in a great mood. And they're like, wow, they did this for us. And then they come up and pitch the loan product. They're much more willing to ah. participate and be involved because they did something. It's reciprocity. Yeah. They did something for us. We're going to do something for them. Right. And so that one is something I would do during the day. Sure. In areas that I had a gig at night. So nice. I was able to scale the comedy. Yeah. Doing a corporate at night plus this one during the day. So I was able to increase my my fee, you know, yeah. be yeah. make more in a day than I would if I just went out for one evening and do one corporate. I was yeah. able to do two corporates in a day. Oh, that's cool. So that's that's kind of how that worked. But um, yeah, so that's how I got into it. And I realized, oh my God, this is fun. Yeah. Right. And so, and <laughs> I, I mean, you really always a way, way around stuff, right? There's always a way around stuff. Well, you need an agent. Well, how can I do it without an agent? Yeah, right. And it's like, and there was like, I remember when I wanted to do um, colleges and they said, well, you got to get in a national association of campus activities, NACA, you got to be a member. And it's like, I looked that up. I asked for the, all the information. They sent it to me. Oh shit. At the time you need $1,200 to buy a booth at the national convention. I was like, and at the time, I was like, I don't have $1,200 just to throw at a booth, right? And it's like, so I was like, I need something better than I need something else. So I went down to Barnes & Noble and got the Peterson's Guide to the Colleges, which is a book about this thick that has yeah. the college and university in it. And I started calling and talking to the ASB. And then I threw asking questions. I found out it was the Associated Student Body that usually books all the entertainment. Uh-huh. And I was like, they need a theme. The themes are what sell. What theme could it be? The Freshman Funny Welcome Show. 
So every big university has a thing yeah. where oh, yeah. they have like some seniors that are the liaisons. They have the students, some students come in who opt in for the early arrival. They get shown around the campus and they provide entertainment for them and they have a budget for this. So I started booking those shows going wow. directly through Peterson's Guide to the Colleges and booking just direct with the Associated Student Body and saying, hey, wouldn't you like to bypass that middleman National Association of Campus Activities? They're a big huh. conglomerate that squeezes you dry, don't they? You know, I can give you direct access to the comedian with 20% less than NACA charges you. Wow. And they're like, we're in, let's do it. Yeah, right. Plus we're they're good. college kids. They, they, they're, yeah. they're rogue. They want to beat the system. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Huh. And I would That's provide cool. them a really great show and we'd have a good, and I'd make friends with these college people. So in a lot of more juniors, they're going to be seniors the next year. They'd invite, invite us back the next year. It'd be me and two or three other comics. Nice. So at the same time, I was helping other comedians get work and that kind of thing. That's kind of how I love to do that sort of thing. Now, that's, cool. uh, that's, that's how I got into it. <laughs> that's cool. All right. You're like that was supposed to be a 10 minute answer, Jerry. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little. Let's talk a little. Uh, but I love, I love the, I love the history, right? And I'm, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a comedy, I'm a, I'm a fan of yours, and I'm, a, I'm just a fan of comedy. So hearing that is a neat. That's just neat, neat to hear that history and that process that you went through and and how you kind of thought through it. And I think you're right. A lot of, uh, I think, uh, you, I, I heard another interview with you, and I've been struggling to try and find it again. Uh, it was a couple years back at the. Um, at the Vegas um, comedy, what is the uh, uh, World Series of Comedy? World Series of Comedy, and uh, you were you were interviewed for another guy's podcast, and I think in there you said there was like a a business of comedy, or a you you had you had you either had thought about writing or you had written an article on the business of comedy, and I was like, that's see, that's cool to me because I'm a I'm kind of a you know like an IT guy, I'm a business nerd. Uh, and mm -hmm. of course I love comedy. And when you, the way you had said it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's the coolest thing in the world. So anyways, neat to hear all of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I could talk to you about that for hours. So, uh, but, um, shifting gears just a little bit to kind of comedy one oh one. So obviously it's Jerry, the joke, Dr. Corley. Um, and I don't, I wanted, no, I was wondering how long I, I was that. given that name like from uh when i was we used to have a, i used to have a writers forum at the friars club in beverly hills and um we um and we would basically go there on monday nights and have dinner and drinks and probably get drunk right and have four or five drinks and get pretty hammered and just like it was just a fun time hanging out with comics and i was like that's got a waste of time right yeah. we've got this cigar room over here that nobody uses and by the way that beverly hills friars club there was a room there that it is rumored where Frank Sinatra banged Nancy Reagan. Uh, so what? Uh, is that true? Yes, yes. Look it up. It's wow. Um, right. So it's like at least they say it's true, right? So that's what I'm going to do. That Trump thing. Some people have said <laughs> that Frank banged Nancy right there on that couch. Some wow. people have said this, right? Uh, so, um, so, but that's uh, there were so many rumors about that, and sure. maybe that's Plus, what happened. It's super cool so, club. Yeah. Yeah. And so we would be, and so with this cigar room, it was a nice room that nobody smoked cigars. And we, we go into, so I go, why don't we go into the cigar room? It's got a conference table in there. And what, why don't we write jokes? And so it was me and a few comics. And then it wound up being me and like, uh, you know, 20 comics. And 
even some of the veterans came in after they were heard what was going on in there, we were actually writing and fixing jokes because I studied structure under Gene Parrott. Mm. I said, oh, what if we what if we make that joke uh, a, a, a misdirection? What if we use incongruity? What if we use a mirrored phrase? What if we use this? We'll make it we can make it funnier. And then, uh, oh, that joke has an associative gap. So God, there were the veterans guys who would pitch a joke and nobody would laugh. And he goes, oh, I'm going to lose that joke. I go, you don't have to lose that joke. What you have there is an associative gap. Do you have too many words? words in between that mod that first the plant word and then what you're using to modify that word later so you got a lot of fluff in there that detaches us from what you're what the joke you're trying to make and so get rid of that use that piece as the tag after you hit the punchline and Uh, now the joke works uh. and they do it and they go holy shit how do you know this and i said because i was taught by one of the top writers who taught me that Right. So then I start recognizing, oh, I see the associative gap here. Let's get rid of that. Let's tighten this up. And now we got now we got now the joke works. So um, and then they were all going. And so these veterans who had been doing it 20 years and I'd only been doing comedy at the time, maybe 12 years. And um, so but also studying with some good people. That's where right. the key is. It's like getting expert feedback. Yeah, uh, they, that's the shortcut um, to success. Right. So it's like. Uh, so from there, uh, I walk in one night and for the Monday night and one of these old timer guys goes, Hey, there's Jerry He's the joke doctor. You make comedy. Well, <laughs> you fix the jokes. Uh, right. And so they would be like, then they cheers me and uh, uh, the, they, so then all of a sudden the joke doctor, the joke doctor, the joke doctor. It. So it's, it's like, I didn't give myself the joke doctor. Oh, they yeah. called me the yeah. joke doctor. That's cool. I, I love that. I mean, it's a neat title and it's very apropos. I, you and I have worked on stuff, um, you know, one-on-one. I've certainly attended a lot of your classes and uh, it's always, it's very fitting uh, title because you're always in there like, Oh, what you could, Oh, what you could, Oh, what you could. And it's just, it's amazing how quickly you can, you can take something like that and, and, um, and, and, you know, and you're like, Oh, we just move this around and, and do that. And I see where you're trying to go, but do this. It's like, Oh, wow. That's pretty, that's impressive. It's, and um, it's so much fun to be able to do that. Cause once you understand how the puzzle works, yeah, it's easier, you know, like if you go to a mechanic and mechanic says, Oh, see what you got going on here is this, this, and this, and this. And so this, this wire is frayed, which is why you're getting that missing, you're misfiring over here. And you're like, how do you know all this stuff? Well, I've been doing this for 30 years. There you go. Yeah. You know? huh. And the same thing with comedy. And most people don't understand comedy is a science. It's like, yeah. like, you know, they don't, they think it's, oh, you either got it or you don't type of thing. And they don't know you can get in there and fix something because you make it, you make, you increase the expectation or you tighten yeah. the association or something like that. So once they know that. All right, and that's uh, the end of the this portion of the interview with Jerry Corley. We're going to continue this all week. I want to say thank you very much to my fellow misfit, Matt Campisi. My name's Jerry Black. Have a wonderful day. That's it for today's stand-up meeting. Remember, this isn't just a podcast. It's a weekly process to find the fun. You are front row at the birth of any of this comedy. It's open source, so please... Feel free to share this with people that you work with. If you share something funny with other people, their day will be brighter and you'll be amazed at how much better your day is because of it. Thank you very much for being here. Have a great day.